Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello once again, everybody. And thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, November 12th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. We'll talk all kinds of stuff about week 11 of the college football season. And we'll do some talk about week 10 of the NFL season as well. I'll talk more about the NFL tomorrow on my Circus Sports Million segment. Uh, But for this week, or for this show, I should say, we will do college football and the NFL here with Brad. We're doing lots of college football and NFL over at ATS.io. We encourage you to check out all of the picks and predictions articles from our very solid and skilled group of writers. Also, there are tons of sportsbook promotions here for this week. The Masters is going on. Great promotions over at PointsBet Sportsbook for that. Same thing over at BetMGM. We've got the Colts plus 41 tonight against the Tennessee Titans over at PointsBet Sportsbook. You sign up over there, $25 max bet, sure, but it's a free 25 bucks to take the Colts plus 41 here in tonight's game. We got a lot of coverage of those sportsbook promotions of the industry, some new revenue numbers coming out from Indiana We are a full-fledged shop over at ATS.io. We certainly encourage you to check all of that out. And of course, download the ATS app as well, which you can find in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or you can find links to download that over at ATS.io. It's a bet tracker, stats, odds, trends, information, article integration from the website, everything at your fingertips right there in that ATS app. So we very much encourage you to download that and check that out. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? It's going well. How you doing on this fine Thursday? Doing very well, buddy. Appreciate your time as always here, sir. We'll be doing some highlight videos here for college football and the NFL later on in the show. But you know, usually I like to start by talking about some different topics, some different things that have kind of piqued my interest or things I've kind of thought about. Something we talked about on yesterday's show and something that we're already seeing here with I believe it's, what, eight games canceled for this week. COVID outbreaks, contact tracing, all those types of things. A lot of people pointing towards Halloween parties, which, of course, now we're a couple weeks out pretty much from that Halloween holiday. But that is something I do think we may have to contend with going forward here because these teams, these players specifically, may have a harder time adhering to these protocols, you know, as their goals for the season are kind of slipping away. And also, too, I think some players that – have aspirations or draft projections here may just decide to opt out and not really deal with this the rest of the way. Yeah, I certainly think uh, both of those are are plausible. Uh, Certainly. I think we're going to start to see teams like, like, for example, like a Penn state, I think, uh, you know, had some goals and dreams and aspirations. Uh, We we saw them basically no show against Maryland last week. That might be a team to look at moving forward. You know, how are they going to, you know, play out the rest of their season yeah, I, I think there's going to be some opportunities, let's put it that way. The, the question whether or not when it comes to COVID is there's going to be some early week opportunities to take advantage of it. But uh, as we've seen with con- uh, tr- uh, contact uh, tracing and whatnot, uh, that, you know, more likely a lot. I mean, I've got five, six bets already canceled for the week. So uh, 
there'll be opportunities. We'll see whether or not you can get to the game itself to, to fully take advantage of them. Well, and one excellent point that you brought up here before we started talking live, and I don't want to steal your thunder here, but one thing you did say is that you know, the college football regular season is going deeper this year because obviously a lot of conferences were pushed back. And a lot of these colleges and universities have decided, you know what, we're going to get to Thanksgiving and anything else we have to do is going to be remote. So yep. I thought that was an excellent point you brought up when we were talking off air that, you know, in a lot of these campuses now, it's just going to be the athletes that are there in person. Yeah, so I think this is going to be an issue for the next couple of weeks. But if you're asking me if we're still dealing with a lot of these COVID issues in December, I'm going to be skeptical because I think a majority, like you just mentioned, of these schools, the, the kid, once kids go home for Thanksgiving, they're not coming back. Whether the semester is over at that point or, or not, it looks like mainly remote learning or the semester is just done. So, I mean, that's an opportunity for the football players just to be on campus and uh, while we saw some cases in the summer with, with some football teams, I, I'm guessing we won't see too much moving forward. If it's just the football team practicing, nobody else to party with other than you know, your teammates uh, with, with nobody there on campus. Uh, I think it, it won't be that big of an issue. And I would say teams that are in the mix that are having a good season or they're racing towards the playoffs or a conference championship. I mean, they're going to be locked in. So I, I've, which is good because, you know, on one hand, I like the price uh, uncertainty. That's how you make money, your price uncertainty. But I think when it, with regards to this year, it, it, I, it's going to be easier to handicap college football in December because I think once the teams are locked in, they'll be locked in that entire month of December. Well, of course, maybe that gives us a little bit of hope for college basketball season, too, in that, you know, it's really only going to be athletes on campus. And, of course, they're tested all the time anyway. So maybe college basketball looks a little bit more optimistic once everybody goes home. But, you know, obviously college basketball still tons of logistics to try and work out with that. Yep. But to your point about the semester, you know, likely just ending at Thanksgiving as opposed to coming back, taking finals and stuff like that. We're going to have some players that will be academically ineligible. That will be something that comes out you know, Ooh, right after the holiday point. break. But on the flip side of that, these kids don't have to worry about class and testing and study halls and all these types of things anymore. Maybe that helps some of these teams to where, yeah, they can just focus on football. Yeah. Uh, And I think some of the coaching staff appreciate that, especially with with signing day also being December. You can just, you know, I think there'll be, it'll be clear. I think the teams that are locked in and focused, uh, you want to bet them early in the week because I think you're going to get run on those and the teams that are just dis- disjointed, whether they got players opting out or whether they just don't give uh, you know a shit anymore about the, the rest of the season. I think it'll be per- become perfectly clear and, and the, hopefully some betting opportunities arise from that. Yeah, hopefully so. And, you know, obviously this year is so unique and it's going to be very tough for us to to really take too much from this season, I think, and sort of apply it two future seasons across yeah, all sports, you think not just across college football. I've talked about it with major league baseball as well at various points. I think it's going to be hard to take a lot of things and carry them over to the next season, which brings me to another point. I talked about yesterday with Kyle Hunter on our edition of ATS radio. And if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and check that out. But we were talking about the process of updating power ratings. And, and this is something that I've kind of found that, you know, has probably been very problematic for me. And I spoke about it in the context of the Stanford and Oregon game, although there have been a lot of other examples. I compare my lines with the closing lines. And of course, that game with Stanford and Oregon was 12, 12 and a half, came down to seven and a half and eight, 
went back up on game day with the Davis Mills COVID announcement. And I even asked you, because I had some stuff going on on Saturday, like, what the hell happened with that line? Why did it go back up? And you told me, you know, well, Stanford had COVID issues at, at quarterback position. And, you know, this year, because we've seen so many significant game day moves, or we've seen these COVID things kind of come to light, comparing with the closing line, maybe is kind of misleading in some ways. And maybe that's why some of my power ratings have been off to the degree that they have. And it makes me wonder if this is unique to COVID with all of this one-sided runaway game day money that the books can't adjust to and the market can't settle in with, or if maybe we're just seeing a lot more game day money, whether it's nationally with legalized sports betting or just sharp money saying, you know what, I want to make sure I have a clear picture before I jump in. Great point. A lot to dive in there. I think it's all of the above, to be honest with you. I mean, we're seeing some significant news happening on game days. And look, you always would get significant news, a quarter late injury news, but we're just seeing a lot more of it. We're also seeing a lot more public money coming in. I mean, we're seeing line moves where people are playing bad numbers. To me, I mean, it's almost like steam chasing. I think a lot of the moves that are made on Thursday – as we're taping this, this is where the limits start really getting opened up. The Thursday and Friday moves, to me, are really sharp. Saturday, I see a lot more moves, but a lot of it's chasing numbers that they could have had already, or it's strictly the COVID stuff. So all of the above, I mean, I, how am I trading this year? I, it's kind of a one-off. I mean, there's been some opportunities where you can maybe have a clear aspect of what position groups are worth. You know, Air Force went down 30, 40 guys, line moves a touchdown. They crushed Navy. Uh, you know, quarterback still means a lot. I mean, that has been significant for me moving forward. You know, what's Nick Saban worth? We found that out in the marketplace in a big game. So th- there has been some things, you know, we've always wondered, you know, how much is a great head coach worth? How much is a position group worth and whatnot? Uh, we're at least getting some answers in that regard, but everything else I would say, I need next year. I need a full kind of normal year to see with legalization with 20 some states, how much is the public impacting the market on game days? Is there opportunities to fade that as you get closer to the closing number? Uh, We're not going to get a clear picture until you and I are talking one year, you know, from now, hopefully we get that opportunity. Well, and like I said, I mean, we've even seen the runaway train money at a couple of points this week. And one of them being, that Miami of Ohio Buffalo game on Tuesday night where I didn't understand that line move at all. I, there I was didn't either nothing man about that line move that I was able to comprehend. And I'm sitting there as this line's going down on Tuesday, furiously scrolling Twitter. Is there COVID with Buffalo? What the yep. hell's going on with the bulls? Is there something going on that I don't know about something like that? Ultimately I wind up taking Buffalo at seven. And of course they cover the number easily, but From an adjustment standpoint, once I make my adjustments for the week, I don't know how to handle that situation because the closing line is way off from my line. I think my line was 13 and a half. It closed, what, seven, seven and a half out there. And that money was dead wrong. Buffalo was the right side all game long. So from an adjustment standpoint, I don't really know what to do with that because I don't know if there would have been Buffalo buyback to pull it back to eight, eight and a half, nine, if there had been time for that to take place. So I'm finding myself being more confused than anything here this year. And that's not a good position to be in as a sports better, because your goal, what you try to do before every game is 
isolate the variables that matter the most to you. Try to handicap as much variance as possible to get an expectation that you believe in. And this year, it just, it seems like it's harder to find those expectations. (laughs) Absolutely. And you worry when, when lines move against you, you always worry about that. But I think this year more than ever, I I worry about it. Why does somebody know something I don't with regards to COVID? Because we don't have a standardized injury report in college football where, you you know, here's the facts. This guy's out. This guy's hurt. This guy has COVID. You don't know. Uh, So when I saw that Buffalo move, I was with you. I thought, man, somebody must, Buffalo is going to have multiple players out. I, I, you know, I want, it's my number's 13, uh, very similar to, to what you had Buffalo what was, you know, one and covered and, every, and what I didn't understand. Everybody bet on Buffalo the week prior. Everyone bet against Miami of Ohio the week prior. So to me, I, I got frozen uh, in that. I, I thought it had to be COVID for Buffalo because I thought money would come only in. I, I get playing, you know, taking double digits with Miami of Ohio. I get that stuff to get margin on them, whatnot, but all the money after it moved through 10, I, I didn't get it. I just, I didn't get it. So I thought it was COVID and, and obviously it wasn't. So well, missed opportunity. And again, the thing of it is like, you know, then how much do you respect that money? Because it was wrong. I don't No, No, I'm going to so, upgrade so then, Buffalo and downgrade my Ohio. Well, and that's the question, right? You know, we look at central Michigan and, and Northern Illinois yesterday. We saw central Michigan money early in the week a noticeably sharp position and on game day NIU money comes back and the game closes, you know, five and a half, six. And it was never really all that close. I mean, I know it was nine, nothing at halftime, but NIU was not moving the football at all whatsoever. I think they had like 130 yards in the first half or something like that. Central Michigan runs away in the second half. And again, you know, maybe from a power ratings adjustment standpoint, you grade that number as seven and a half instead of five and a half. And my line on that game was much lower than the market. So I'm going to have to make significant adjustments to both teams. But I think in my mind, instead of comparing with the close, I'm going to compare with where it was after the sharp money. And that was seven, seven and a half, maybe even saw an eight out there. I need to come full circle about the, this whole conversation. I, unless it is specifically COVID or injury, I am not personally respecting the game day money as much as I have in the past. I think it does look square to me. And if we're just talking about Saturday games, I am respecting the money I see on Thursday and Friday much more than what I see on Saturday, with the exception of injury and COVID, because I, I, I don't understand a lot of the game day money. And you have a great theory on it. Hey, just more the public's betting more now. They have more of a market influence than ever before. Uh, and obviously, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think you can win long term betting on the public side. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's like a. I don't know if this is the right way to put it. I don't know if it's a paradigm shift or something like that, but maybe, you know, has it gotten to the point? And we all know that these are all copycat books. They all move at the same time. They move on air. You know, they move based on what other books are doing, stuff like that. Is it a scenario where because there's additional public access and to the degree with which there's public access, are we sort of getting to the point where, the sports books are going to protect their exposure more against the volume side, as opposed to the sharp side, they want to line yeah. up and be with the sharp money. And I, I, I don't know if, if maybe that's the case, if it's some sort of philosophical difference or something like that, but you know, Ohio's back in legislative session. They're going to talk about sports betting. All these States are dirt ass broke. 
We're talking about maybe 30 states by the next football season, maybe even higher than that. So I don't know if it is this paradigm shift and that's what these game day moves are all about. I don't know. Maybe I have to find contacts on the other side of the counter and sort of ask them about it. But just as an observer and as somebody whose favorite part of this business has always and will forever be watching the market and trying to understand and analyze what's happening there, there seems to be a shift of some kind that I think could be impactful, you know, for the foreseeable future. So I got another theory that, and you know, I don't have anything to back it up, but other than my own personal betting, I'm not making a lot of pre-flop bets on uh, Fridays and Saturdays this year. I am happy with what I got down earlier in the week and, and, or, you know, Thursday and uh, limits to open up a little bit. I am happy with a lot of what I bet early in the week. And I'm not doing a lot of pre-flop stuff. I'm What I'm waiting for is the games to actually play and doing a lot more in-game. So I think a lot of sharper bettors maybe aren't betting as much as they did in the past on Fridays and Saturdays. They're, they're happy with their pre-flop bets from earlier in the week, and they're just waiting to you know get at the real value on game day, that being in-game live betting. That's an excellent point, especially because, again, you know we've we've had several games here in college football this year, and even some in the NFL as well. Well, like I said, it's been that runaway train, one-way money. And generally speaking, we've seen buyback. And this year, we're not seeing as much buyback. And and usually, you get that buyback from sharper money that's like, you know what? This has moved into a range where I'm going to play it now. You don't see a whole lot of public buyback because a lot of times, the public mentality is everyone's going to be on that same side. So I don't know. I mean, and again, maybe this is just all COVID-related. Maybe this is just the nature of the beast for this year, but these are things that, you know, we're going to have to figure out going forward here. And, and as people who, you know, are more respected for their opinions in this business, you, me, the other guests on the show, the other people on the podcasts that are out there, it's something that we we need to figure out because people are kind of looking to us for those answers. So it is something that I, I, I have obviously as you know, we've spent a lot of time on this already today, it is something that I have been thinking a lot about, and I, and I don't have a concrete answer. Like you, I have some theories. I have some ideas, maybe nothing to specifically back them yep. up from people on the other side of the counter, but everything feels different. And it's easy to say that and it's a simplified thought with COVID and, and 2020 and how effed up this year has been altogether, but something is just different about this betting market you know, in 2020, and, and I don't know if it changes going forward or not. We'll find out. <laughs> Ask me in a year, buddy. <laughs> 2021. Yeah. We'll have more answers. I don't know if we'll have the answer, but we'll definitely have a lot more answers. Yeah, I think so, too. As long as we're not still dealing with, you know, yeah, the COVID stuff. Man, if, if this is still a thing, <laughs> you know, nine, ten months from now. Uh, yeah. It'll, yeah, you and me are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, think we'll have a very positive podcast. Let's just put it that way. No, no, I don't think so either. <laughs> All right, well, let's see if we can have a positive podcast here with some picks as we kind of jump around the card here a little bit, look at a handful of different games, stuff like that. Uh, tonight's game, you know, for our day of listeners, Colorado State, Boise State. Boise State playing its third game in 13 days. We know they have uh, situations at the quarterback position. We'll see who winds up actually getting the start tonight. But they're still laying 14 against Colorado State here in this one. And, of course, you know, Boise's done okay in that uh, favorite role. I think they've covered eight straight, I want to say, uh, as a double-digit favorite, something like that. 61 and a half the total for this one. 
Yeah, I didn't have, take much of a position here, pre-flop uh, or anything. I guess you could talk me into maybe some under, and it really depends on the quarterback position of, for Boise State. And maybe they're a little bit more conservative, uh, depending on who's lining up behind center there. Although, you know, the, the, you, you looked at the, the third-string guy came in and, and threw a couple touchdown passes late against BYU to get that one over the total. I, I could see them relatively run the football, don't turn it over, Shut down Colorado State's offense. Uh, I mean, if you're waiting till game day to bet this one, I, you can maybe talk me into to under 61. I put it right at 14. I mean, that's my power rating. That's what my prediction on the game. So, I mean, I'd lay 13 and a half. I'd take 14 and a half. Yeah, just to clarify, I want to make sure I look this up. I did mention this uh, in my situational tips and betting trends piece over at ATS.io for this week. Uh, Boise State has covered eight in a row as a home favorite of 14 or more oh, after wow. not covering the previous eight. So, you know, we kind of, I, I remember that being a discussion. I, I want to say maybe two years ago, something like that. If we were overvaluing the home field advantage on the Smurf turf, because Boise state was just not covering big numbers at yep. home. Well, they're back to doing it now. So we'll see if they wind up doing it here uh, in this Thursday night game. As far as Friday goes here, Brad, FAU and FIU, this one's still on the board for now. We'll see if they wind up playing it, COVID has been an issue for both of these teams. Iowa, Minnesota, Iowa, three and a half point favorite, total 58. East Carolina, Cincinnati, 27 and a half, 55 and a half, the total there. Any thoughts on those three games before we move on to Saturday? You know, I didn't have, again, and I'm not afraid to bet. I mean, let me put this out. I'm making like 30 bets a week on Sunday. Again, I didn't have a lot of pre, you know, stuff that I attack immediately. I, I think, you know, certainly would would have loved to play Iowa two and a half or three. Now that's crossed through three. I think Iowa's very underrated, but I also liked what I saw from Minnesota last week against Illinois. Uh, so I think that's a really good game. We're going to find out about, a lot about both teams. I, I think the loser of that game is going to be most likely out of it, would not be interested in playing on them the rest of the season. I think the winner grabs a lot of momentum. So I, I'm just looking for future opportunities with that Iowa-Minnesota. FAU, FIU. I mean, I, I guess I would lean FAU there. And then the game where I, I could talk myself into bet, and I'm anxious to see if game day money impacts it. I'm hoping that a lot of people want to bet on Cincinnati uh, and push that to maybe 28. I'll take a flyer on East Carolina. Holton Aylers is playing good now his last three starts. And keep in mind, Cincinnati has a huge game against UCF on deck. I know Cincinnati has been dominant. The last three games, I just think it's a bad spot for them. I'm going to wait for the game day money and hopefully have a uh, ECU ticket. Yeah, I think that's a sharp thought, too, especially because, you know, I, I think that something that gets kind of overlooked, and I know people have sort of talked about this with regards to BYU, and I poked holes in BYU last week and paid the price on that game. Oh, I did, too. State. But it's really hard to continuously meet expectation when you're a big favorite. I mean, to keep going out there and covering numbers and blowing teams out is not an easy thing to do because these kids are human, man. I mean, that focus level of going out there, I don't know if these kids look at the spreads or not, but Cincinnati's players know they're supposed to kick ECU's ass. They're supposed to win that game by significant margin. And sometimes the hardest thing to do is win by margin when you're supposed to. And as you mentioned, they got a big game coming up here against UCF. So, you know, that's one where, I think your mind is in the right spot there. And of course, too, it doesn't hurt to have a spread that's half of the total. 
yeah. Uh, so correlation there, obviously, uh, I don't even think that sometimes they allow you to do it. Uh, but yeah, the, but, but the problem is, though, I kind of like ECU's backdoor potential with Holton Aylers. I mean, their defense isn't as good. Uh, what I'm expecting them to, to, to get uh, some scoring light. And if you remember last year's game was actually one of the better group of five games I watched all year. ECU blew a big lead. Cincinnati had to kick a field goal in the last play of the game to beat ECU as like a three-touchdown favorite. I, I just think that they'll have some success and maybe even late. If Cincinnati gets out in front, maybe they take their eye off the ball just a little bit. We'll see. It is tough because Cincinnati has been so consistently dominant here the last three weeks. I'm just counting on them not to be, uh, which – well, and here's a question. I mean, I think Tulsa is kind of a poorer man's version of Cincinnati. You know, I, they're a team. You that... should have won that game. Didn't bring it up. They were, yeah. they were screwed. Should have won the game. And I, I mean, not once. Anybody can have a bad call, but when it goes to replay multiple times and they come back with the wrong call after multiple times of replay, that was. I mean, that was a screw job. And, and that's a spot too. And and this is an important thing to talk about going forward because we talked about all the COVID concerns and, and this and that. This is a good time of the year for coaching to really come into play. And I think Mike Houston's a good head coach. And I think East Carolina is a team that's trying to build some sort of identity here, which they haven't had since Ruffin McNeil was unceremoniously fired for God knows what reason. Um, you know, ECU, I think Mike Houston can have this team ready to go in a game like this. Can say, look, we almost pulled a big upset last time. Yeah, we're pissed off about it. Yeah, we're upset about how it played out. Let's go out there and try to get another one. And that's the thing, you know, some teams that have poor coaches that are in these massive underdog roles, maybe they roll over and die. And, and maybe East Carolina does in this game. I don't know. But to me, I think I'm going to put my trust in a guy like Mike Houston, that his team's going to show up here. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that's the case. Although last week didn't, you know, left a little bit to be desired. I mean, Tulane put it on him in what was supposed to be a competitive point spread there. Uh, they took one uh, on the chin a little bit. So there is a little bit of concern. And that's, you know, I'll tell you, the market's so efficient. I mean, I, the problem with knowing a lot is, you know, the, the paralysis by overanalysis. I mean, uh, if you know a lot about mo- most teams, you, you can poke throw, uh, holes through, through any uh, pick pretty much. Well, with that, let's get to a highlight video here. For the first game on the board on Saturday, game 137-138, Arkansas and Florida, 17 or 17 and a half, the number here with the Gators favorite at home. Total in this game of 60. I'm host Adam Burke. I'm joined by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And Brad, we just talked about coaching and how it could have an impact on that East Carolina and Cincinnati game. Coaching could have an impact here as well. Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman isolating with COVID. He's quarantined. He's staying in the guest house at home. Him and his dog. He said he's depressed. Been a tough thing for him here this week. How do the Razorbacks fare, do you think, in this spot without their head coach going on the road as a big dog? I think they're in good shape, and that, that's saying something considering that I think Sam Pittman's the overwhelming favorite to be SEC Coach of the Year. But if you've been following Arkansas, Sam Pittman's like more the rah-rah guy. He's the guy that, that, that gets the recruit. He, he can oversee the program, do the recruiting and whatnot. The, the nuts and bolts, the X's and O's, are done by Sam Pittman's outstanding coordinator hires. Barry Odom, who's going to be the interim coach, he's the defensive coordinator, former Missouri head coach, and, you know, the play caller on defense, they'll be fine there. And then Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator, has done a wonderful job. He'll As long as the play callers are still there, it's a non-impact, non-factor for me. 
And if not, you know, maybe it's a positive, the fact that, you know, our coach isn't here that let's go win one for the Gipper type, uh, win one for Sam Pittman uh, in the game since he's not with us. I think it's kind of a flat spot for Florida off the big win against Georgia, in my opinion. And then as I checked yesterday, I'll have to check again today. I mean, you know, Kyle Pitts, the outstanding tight end for Florida, I mean, took a massive hit. Uh, I know we're more cautious than ever in today's day and age when it comes to that. You know, he's questionable. So if he doesn't go, that's a major weapon that, that Florida might not have in the game. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, gladly take the, the, the hook here, the, the 17 and a half on an Arkansas team that's covered every single game so far this season. And then finally, to top it off, Felipe Franks, the quarterback for Arkansas, I think he'll have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, being that he was the Florida starting quarterback for a couple of years. Uh, he's playing well. <laughs> so I uh, add it all up for me. I like that. I'll take the hogs here. Plus the big number. Yeah. The Felipe Franks revenge game here uh, down in Gainesville. And I, I agree with everything you said. I was kind of nodding along as you were talking there. The, the one thing that concerns me a little bit here is I think right. Florida has turned the corner defensively. And, and the question is, was last week Georgia's offense is terrible or Florida's defense is finally playing up to its expectation with the talent level that they have. That's the only thing that I would worry about in this game. And we do see maybe that thought kind of coming to fruition a little bit as the total has come down to two and a half points in this game. But still, with that being said, this is a very big number for a Florida team off of its most complete performance of the year, I would say. We talked about it last week when we did a highlight video on Florida, Georgia. Dan Mullen, the excitement that he had getting involved in that little brouhaha before halftime, all that. Florida was jacked up for that Georgia game sky high I mean it looked like a great spot for Florida we called it on the show we talked about it and they came through this week I don't know if that juice is there I don't know if they've got that same feeling that same excitement yeah they're going up against Felipe Franks who left the program but you know I don't think that's really a big deal for the Gators here they want to win this game and get out because they've got their sights on something much much larger at this point in time probably a date with Alabama in the SEC championship game I don't think they're worried about winning this game by margin. If they do it, so be it. They're a very good team with a high ceiling and a high upside. I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. So I agree with you here. I think Arkansas plus 17 and a half, if you can find it, or 17 is a pretty good look here. Yeah, and one final thing. Two weeks ago, Florida's laying 13, 13 and a half against Missouri. Laying 17 and a half here against Arkansas on a neutral field. If Missouri is minus four against Arkansas, who are you betting? I have a big bet on Arkansas. I agree. Definitely agree with that thought. Great thoughts here. Once again, from professional better and handicapper, Brad Powers. I'm host Adam Burke. You can hear every Monday through Friday on ATS radio. Make sure you subscribe and download the podcasts from Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all the places where you can hear our fine podcast. All right. So we'll jump down around the board here a little bit. We'll do another highlight video here uh, in a few minutes, but uh, trying to find games we didn't touch on yesterday, Florida state and NC state, I think is kind of interesting with North Carolina state now up to 10 major (laughs) turmoil here for the Florida state program. James Blackman's transferring. Jordan Travis is hurt. Top wide receivers gone. Mike Norvell didn't make a great first impression to begin with. Is Florida state one of those teams? You talk about Penn state being one. Is Florida State one of those teams you think just kind of rolls over here the rest of the way? 
Uh, Market Street in that way. I mean, in, in a perfect, you know, if the teams were going to be healthy, like Florida State and their head was going to be on straight, I mean, the line here is probably what, NC State four or so. So uh, it's certainly being reflected in the marketplace. Yeah, I don't want, I could only bet NC State here. I mean, it's either, uh, either got, you know, a 50-50 bet, flip of the coin here, or you got a really good bet with NC State, the fact that Florida State's just going to roll over for the rest of the season. So, uh, if you're looking to bet the game, I know you're not taking the best of the number at this point, but NC State would be the only way I could bet that game after the news broke yesterday. I'm going to open you up to get chirped some more because you get chirped a lot on social media for your uh, alleged hatred of Notre Dame, despite oh, no. being a, a lifelong Notre Dame fan. 13 and a half looks like a tough number here coming off of beating Clemson in double overtime. Yeah, I mean, I, I fired bought, you know, even I'll say this, I lost more money on the Notre Dame Clemson game than any game in the history of my betting career. The way that it wasn't, you just were live pre- betting Clemson too. I live bet Clemson like you wouldn't believe. And here's the thing, the way it played out. I mean, Clemson gets a first down. I win every ticket pre flop uh, in game. It doesn't, you know, halftime, I bet Clemson minus six and a half. I mean, during the game, I was getting Clemson just, you know, at pick um, plus three and a half, plus six and a half. I had all those tickets and there wasn't a big op- room for opportunity to play back uh, on Notre Dame. To be honest. There was a little bit of a window there when it was going to overtime. But and then what happened? Clemson scores on basically their first play of overtime. So I'm still feeling pretty good at that point. Uh, I just so much Clemson exposure pre-flop doubled and tripled the Clemson exposure during the game. And if they get one first down with a minute and a half left or or two minutes left, I mean, I I go from winning every single ticket to, you know, somehow them losing by seven in overtime. I lost every single ticket, even plus six and a half, minus six and a half second half because overtime counts in those. uh, I lost every ticket. So that was uh, a five figure swing for me. So, uh, that one hurt, but, but that being said, I turned right around on Sunday and took Boston college plus 16. I still would take them plus 13 and a half. It's a horrific spot for the Irish after the number one, uh, after beating number one on top of it, it's BC. If you're not familiar with it, they call it the red bandana game where they honor that not that nine 11 hero. If you haven't seen the story, look it up have a box of tissues by you. It's, it's pretty sad. One of the heroes of nine 11 was a BC grad uh, and they honor him. And BC has done this red bandana game uh, for the last six, seven years. They have beaten USC, Florida state, Miami. So they really kick it up a notch. I, I, I take Boston college. Uh, I mean, I was impressed with Notre Dame. They, they crushed me, but uh, I'm not afraid to fade him again here. <laughs> yeah. And, and not only that, um, you know, seems like Clemson and Notre Dame are on a crash course again in, in, you know, what should be the ACC championship game. And there's going to be a lot of significant money on Clemson in that one. And I think that you think they're, they're going to be the right side in that game too. Yep. I, oh, I mean, it'll it, be, it'll be, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they will adjust. They will probably have Trevor yeah. Lawrence back. And- they adjusted during the first half. That's what I'm saying. I mean, of course, Notre Dame exceeded expectations early on. Of course, I was stunned that they came out and started punching Clemson in the mouth. But it was, you know, Clemson, when they scored the touchdown to go up seven, uh, was on a 23 to three run. You saw Venables make some adjustments. So the game, you know, other than Notre Dame exceeding expectations a little bit was still playing out exactly how I thought it would. And all of a sudden, you know, Notre Dame gets that 91 yard drive, boom, bang. They somehow win in double overtime. 
And, you know, I got a bunch of losing tickets, but it's not like I went and adjusted my Notre Dame power rating. Hey, they beat number one. Let's, you know, jack them up three points. Didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, Clemson, I think, will be the right side. And I'll probably fade Notre Dame again. Well, I mean, we'll see. Maybe I'm glutton for punishment. I mean, again, if we run that game back, it's still probably Clemson minus four and a half minus five. And if Lawrence is there, it's 12 or 13 or, you know, probably what it'll be if they meet again. So Clemson would be laying double digits. Yeah. And I think more importantly, because, I mean, DJ Uyunga Lele played really well. The, the big thing was the three defensive starters out for Clemson. And Notre Dame certainly dominated the line of scrimmage. So that would be the positive. If you want to play Notre Dame again, hey, look, line of scrimmage, Notre Dame controlled both sides. Uh, that, that would be the, the worry I would have taking Clemson again in the next uh, matchup. All right, we'll stay in the ACC here. We'll move down one spot. Game we didn't talk about yesterday. Wake Forest in North Carolina. And, you know, I significantly upgraded Wake Forest. I think it was two weeks ago uh, in my power ratings. Just based on their body of work, based on the fact they've exceeded expectations, we talked about it here on the show as well. 13 and a half here in a game that looks like an offensive shootout. Can Sam Hartman and Wake Forest keep up with Sam Howell and the Tar Heel offense? Uh, just the if North Carolina plays their A game, they crush Wake Forest. Uh, the problem is, I can I trust on North Carolina playing their A game all the time, especially since they're off an A game performance against Duke. Uh, they've just been Jekyll and Hyde. They, they've lost a couple of games. They had no business losing against Florida State and uh, uh, the, against Virginia. Uh, I mean, I got North Carolina number 11 in my power rating, so I think they're a borderline top 10 team, but. It, this is right near my number. I got it at 13. I highly respect Dave Clawson and Wake Forest, especially coming off a of bye. I, 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 no, no, no pre-flop bet for me. What's your North Carolina Notre Dame line? Ooh, uh, counting that it's going to be played in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame, maybe like three. Does Notre Dame Two, lose that three. game? I mean, that feels like a total landmine to me. It depends on what happens the the BC game. Okay. Uh, they, they both will have a bye prior. It's a Friday night after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that, that's going to be a big game. And again, I the way the schedule's lining up, I'm just like fade Notre Dame, fade Notre Dame. It's just yeah, I'll probably. I mean, if it's more than three, if Notre Dame's favored by more than three, I'll probably have North Carolina. Well, I mean, if you're going to be the captain, you might as well go down with the ship. I know, man. SS Damn. fade Notre Dame. I mean, you uh, know, you're kind of you're kind of pot committed now. To, to at some point, you know, you're going to run into one where you're going to be like, "Yeah, I was right," and then it may be a string of multiple games. Where you well, can the say, problem yeah. is, I was right at the start of the season. I bet them like three times in their first four games, went three and zero, and then the Pittsburgh game happened, and then mm-hmm. you know I took a really strong position, got my teeth kicked down my throat everywhere I did the show with you everywhere, and then you know last week I went against them again and lost. Although I don't think I don't feel as badly about it as the Pittsburgh game, and then we'll see. I, I I'll say this: I won't be so anxious to do it if they go out and crush Boston College. And then that's there's going to be a time and point where I'm less like, I, I can't do it again. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. How about game 161-162 here? We jump away from the ACC, go to the Big Ten for a minute. You and I were talking about this one off air before we started recording that this one's now Wisconsin laying a road number in Ann Arbor. I know there won't be fans in the big house, much different environment, but still Wisconsin with travel here, laying four and a half or five, total up to 54 in this game. I don't get it. Someone's going to have to sit me down and explain this to me <laughs> because I, I, I know Michigan. 
Look, this is your penultimate buy low point on Michigan because, yep. I mean, you just you don't you don't expect this with all the COVID that's happening for Wisconsin. No, I mean it, it's all on Graham Mertz. I mean, a guy's played one game, uh, but he's worth like a touchdown on the spread. If he plays, okay, the line makes sense. One Wisconsin. game against Illinois, shit. And I'll tell you, I watched that game as a Friday night game, and I watched every play of that one. And I got to tell you. I would, I know they easily won and covered and Mertz played out of his mind, but I'll tell you the hallmarks of Wisconsin football weren't there. They, they struggled running the football and uh, you know, Illinois, Brandon Peters had success running on Wisconsin's defense. If you look at the yards per carry, I think Wisconsin averaged like 3.4 Illinois averaged 5.2. That's not Wisconsin football. So, I mean, if Mertz plays, okay, I, I, you know, I, I think Wisconsin should be favored. I don't think it should be more than a field goal. If he doesn't play, Michigan should be favored. I, I, I took one big time on the chin last week betting Michigan. I, I'm going to bet Michigan again. I, I, I like Michigan this week. I mean, Rutgers is a seven-point favorite against Illinois. Yep. Like, how bad are the Illini? Rutgers hasn't been a conference favorite since 2014. And okay, Wisconsin's one data point was fun and great and, and whatever. But like, who the hell's been practicing for this team? What have they been doing for practice? Yeah, I know. I, I have no idea. I mean, say, say what you will about Harbaugh. And obviously, I, I hate Michigan. I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm critical of Michigan all the time. Very critical of Harbaugh, who I think absolutely needs to be done in Ann Arbor. But I'm going to bet Michigan this week. And I very much entertained betting Michigan last week. So uh, there's there's a mispricing in, in this game, I think, to say the least. Is there a mispricing in the next game? Indiana, Michigan State, Indiana laying 7.52, the total here. This one's come down a little bit from where it was early in the week, suggesting some sharp money giving Sparty a try. Yeah, I don't agree with it. I mean, I know it's a bad spot here for Indiana. And that's, that's the thing that's giving me pause uh, uh, on betting the Hoosiers here. But, I mean, how much is it worth? They're off Michigan, a big win there. They got the Buckeyes on deck. I get it. And I, I'm not a big waving, the, you know, the flag around the, the Hoosiers. I mean, they've been okay. I mean, they certainly kicked my teeth down my throat last week. But I, it's not like I've been overly impressed. I bet them the week prior against Rutgers. It was my favorite play of the week. And from a pure power ratings aspect Did you right ever now, get that hole in your wall fixed after that Indiana Rutgers? No, nah, it's there. I'll take a picture and post it on Twitter. <laughs> but, uh I mean, I got this at like 12 and a half, huge overlay. I didn't understand the Michigan State money last week, played against them. I mean, it wasn't even a contest with Iowa. And I understand some Michigan State money this week if they were a double-digit underdog. But now that it's seven, I mean, I can only play Indiana. But I'm going to wait. Let, let's see. I mean, last week I couldn't believe that the Iowa game kept dropping and it would drop another half point. Uh, so maybe I can find a six and a half when it's all said and done on the Hoosiers. I, I'm going to bet Indiana. Yeah, my line's nine on this one. So I'm little, I don't know if I'm higher on Michigan State or lower on Indiana, but it's one of the two here for us. And of course, we'll see how that one plays out. We talked a lot about the Pac-12 games yesterday on the show. So I want to skip over those, hit on some of the games we didn't really discuss here. Let's go to the fun belt. 183, 184, Georgia State, Appalachian State, 16, the number here for App State a total of 62 and a half so pretty high totals in app state games this year not something that we're totally accustomed to seeing they, they cover the big number here against georgia state 
Well, I have eight. I would lean App State. I have 18. I mean, the only thing giving me pause is they got Coastal Carolina on deck, which is going to be a huge – you didn't think before the season that was going to be a big game, but it's going to be a big game next week in the Sun Belt. Uh, it, it's a big total because Georgia State, uh, <laughs> if you've been following along with their games, other than them, uh, you know, with a goose egg against Coastal Carolina, I mean, their games have been very high scoring, including last week. Uh, I lean App State for me. The 18, when, when my numbers to a you know a secondary number like 17, uh, I'm certainly the Mountaineers are worth the, a small bet. Yeah, I got this one right on the number at 16, so nothing for me. But you know, as you mentioned, App State with a massive game on deck, and you know we've seen App State step up really nicely in their big Sun Belt games. They've handled Louisiana yep. for the most part. You know when Troy was good, they played very well in that game. But also, you know, they've had a lot of coaching turnover. And I think now is kind of the time where we find out about a guy like Sean Clark. You know, what? how prepared is his team? How focused is his team for this spot? Do they develop some bad habits going into that game against Coastal? I'm going to watch this game pretty closely. Well, I won't watch it, but I'm going to follow it pretty closely in terms of the line and in terms of the box score and looking at the play-by-play and all that just to see if I can pick something out, maybe not even for 2020, but for App State going forward, just because, I mean, they've been the class of this conference for so long. And you wonder if at some point, all this coaching turnover, all the player turnover, all of that winds up having an impact. I think next year will be a big telltale when they lose the quarterback. Zach Thomas has been there forever. Uh, they're one in five against the spreads, but if you dive into these games, I mean, they missed the, the closing number by a half point last week. I bet against them in the Charlotte game in the opener, and I thought App State should have covered that game. Charlotte was very fortunate. So there hasn't been – you mentioned it. We're going to see it more in the, their bigger games. I have, In the games that I've followed Appalachian State, I haven't seen major issues so far. That, that makes me believe that Clark is a bad coach. Next year will be a bigger tell. And maybe Coastal Carolina and UL Lafayette games later this year will be, maybe be more of a tell. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. You know, again, we're just, we're looking for signs, things that, you know, we can kind of pick up on and see, uh, you know, what sort of happens as we go forward here. Uh, I guess I'll backtrack a game really quickly. 181-182 is Fresno State and Utah State. Fresno State laying 10. Utah State fires Gary Anderson. And the boosters really pushed through the second tenure for Gary Anderson after Matt Wells went to Lubbock, I thought it was a mistake. You thought it was a mistake. Yep. Pretty much everybody I talked to thought it was a mistake. And Gary Anderson has caused this Utah State program to regress. The question here with Frank Mayle taking over, did they get that one game bump that we usually see when a coach leaves? Or is this team just that bad? I lean that way. Team could be just that bad. Uh, I mean, you don't often lose, you know, a first round draft pick at quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, Jordan Love might have masked a lot of their issues uh, here in the last couple of years, but I think they're worth a small bet at plus 10. Uh, my numbers only have an eight, although my numbers have been way higher on Utah State than the marketplace the last couple of weeks, but they have been a really, really bad football team. Uh, but, you know, Gary Anderson is such a negative. Uh, I mean, now this is the third time we've seen, I mean, programs just cut ties with them and, ridiculous uh, you know Wisconsin you couldn't believe that he left because uh, he was having success Oregon State he walks away in the middle of a season and it's just nothing but unrest so I, I think it is addition by subtraction uh, the question is how much of addition uh, w- w- without Anderson there 
I think when you sort of read back through everything that happened with Gary Anderson, the guy's just kind of a prick. You know, yeah. I mean, at Wisconsin, he got upset with the athletic department because I think it was about admission requirements or something yep. like that. They wouldn't lower them to the standards that he wanted. And good for them for that. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I know that we all say that, you know, most of these kids will go pro in something other than sport. And, you know, they're called student athletes, not athlete students. But, you know, a lot of programs kind of, you know, bypass the academic requirements and stuff like that. Wisconsin wouldn't lower their standards. He got pissy and he left. Goes to Oregon State, as you mentioned, kind of leaves that program in a state of unrest. And then as I was reading about this, you know, kind of thinking about my thought process here for Utah State this week, I saw that Gary Anderson basically told his team, nobody's allowed to opt out. Yeah, Nobody has that option. And, I mean, the players aren't going to stand for that. So, obviously, yeah. they didn't want to play for this guy. So, you know, we'll see if things change here now that he's not the head man in charge. Uh, but, you know, obviously, Utah State – might just be that bad at football. Uh, maybe that winds up being the case here. One other game I want to ask you about, then we'll do a highlight video for the Pac-12 matchup between Colorado and Stanford. Hawaii and San Diego State, 191-192. Interesting one here because we talked about this last week. I think both of us were very impressed with what we had seen from San Diego State to this point. Then <laughs> they lose at home to San Jose State when Nick Starkle got hurt, what, like the second play of the game? Yeah, Nick Nash, though, was... I I liked what I saw on film watching him last year, so I don't think that's a huge downgrade and then proved to be, you know, right. Although I would have, I mean, I had some San Diego State money pre-flop, so very surprised at that result. But with that being said, surprised at this line. I only got a seven. Uh, I know I'm not anxious that the, the bunch of, you know, Hawaii on the road against the physical team. But, you know, my, my numbers say, you know, I just – San Diego State struggles covering double digits. I think they're on a 2-8 and eight ATS run in that role. I mean, it's tough covering double digits when you are a stodgy offense. So, lean Hawaii for me. I kind of like Hawaii a little bit in this spot here. You know, for me, it's one of those things where my line's 10. So, you know, I'm not that far off from the market or anything like that. But I think about how well Hawaii played in that first game against Fresno State. They play back-to-back games on the mainland, something that I think I mentioned on the show. They'd only done like four times in the last five years. And that second game was at Wyoming in the highest elevation in FBS. Yeah, that's going to happen. You're going to get run off the field, and they did in that game, losing 31-7. to They get back home. They have some issues with New Mexico, but played a pretty good second half in that one. I think they're kind of finding their way a little bit. I think you can explain some of the shortcomings that they've had I don't think you can really explain what happened last week with San Diego State. I mean, they blew out UNLV, not a good team, blew out Utah State. We know they're not a good team. They finally play somebody with a pulse, and they don't look good. I think Hawaii is the play here, especially if you can find 11. Don't disagree with you, but I guess I'm a little hesitant because I played Hawaii last week and wasn't even in the game from start to finish. Yeah, I – the Mountain West is tricky. It, it just, it <laughs> is. Those, and, and that's the thing too, is I think some of these teams have a high ceiling. Some of these teams have a high floor and I don't know which one they're going to be closer to week in and week out. Yep. And I yep. think that again, we got two data points or, you know, two or three data points from some of those teams. And I don't know how descriptive those data points have been uh, to this point. So, you know, just something that we kind of have to deal with uh, in the Mountain West here as we go forward. With that, we'll do a highlight video for this Pac-12 matchup game, 193-194, Colorado and Stanford. Stanford, seven-point favorite, total 54, 
for this one. And you know, I just talked about the Mountain West and how we don't have a lot of concrete and reliable data points. Well, we only have one data point for these Pac-12 teams here so far. Stanford's data point without quarterback Davis Mills, who has who had COVID uh, leading up to the game against Oregon last week. And Colorado with really a very strange box score in their game against UCLA. Yeah, I like Stanford here. Let's just talk numbers. Uh, I mean, even without Mills, I'm, I made it like nine. So uh, already value on Stanford. It's only a positive he plays. I don't think he will. I think a lot of the Pac-12 teams will uh, be more cautious. But I'm okay. If Mills doesn't play, and also keep in mind they're also without their top playmaker, uh, Weddington. But with that being said, they still put 400-plus yards on Oregon. I mean, they just need to find a kicker. They missed uh, four field goals against Oregon. Otherwise, they, they cover almost every number in that game. Uh, last week, no matter when you, you bet it. And that, that would have been a very impressive performance for the Cardinal, especially without a couple of their top players. So I thought that game was a little bit misleading value on Stanford on top of it. Colorado game was a little bit misleading. They jumped out big time early on UCLA. Why turnovers plus four in the game for Colorado. Uh, and it was an important game for their new head coach, Carl Durrell, who out played at UCLA coached at UCLA. Um, I just did. It's what, what I call an inside out handicap misleading game for Colorado misleading game last week for Stanford, put them together. You got one of my fair plays of the week. I like the Cardinal. Yeah. I like Stanford here too. My line's 12 and a half. If Mills plays, if he doesn't probably in that 10 range, still some value relative to the market number here uh, of seven. I was on Colorado last week. I talked about it on the show. It was one of my favorite plays of the week. One of my biggest power ratings overlays. I'm glad it came through. I also downgraded Colorado in my power ratings. So, you know, yeah, they won and covered one outright as a dog, stuff like that. But I still downgraded them a little bit. Now they did miss three field goals in the game. They could have put a little bit more margin in that one. But as you said, it wasn't even just the the plus four and turnover margin. It was where those turnovers were. They had, you know, one at the 19. They ran one back to the UCLA one. They got a bunch of short fields early on. We didn't see if Colorado's offense is going to struggle the way that most of us expected coming into the season. So I think Stanford's in a good spot here. Uh, you know, bounce back performance possibility possibility for them coming off of that Oregon game. Uh, and again, you know, it's one of those things where UCLA starts the year as a turnover prone team and they got to go play an altitude in Boulder. And, you know, you wonder what that, what impact that's going to have on them and what benefit that will be for the Buffaloes. Well, now they go to Palo Alto, tough place to play, tough place to get to, not the same elevation as Boulder, obviously. I think Stanford's the player. I think this line's too cheap. Yeah, and if you're asking, whenever I have a little bit of the power ratings uh, disparity, you know, am I too low on a team? Am I too high on another? My power ratings last week said fade Stanford and proved to be correct, although I was came away impressed with Stanford. My power ratings said Colorado was one of my top plays of the week to play on Colorado, and obviously that proved correct. So that's why, I mean, it's, it doesn't make sense to me that I have an overlay in favor of Stanford this week. And, and I love – the one thing I love as you get more and more data points, I can compare lines. Last week, UCLA was laying six, six and a half at Colorado. And now we have Stanford laying, you know, six and a half at some points uh, this week and seven here at home against Colorado. I mean, that is saying that UCLA is a better team than Stanford on a neutral field. 
I'm taking the Cardinal against the Bruins, and I would have a big bet here. So you add all that, and I know it's kind of confusing when you're comparing different teams and different lines, but that's where I find value, and I think there's significant value. I am talking myself into it even doing this video. Stanford's probably my favorite play of the week. Yeah, I think so too. Stanford's definitely up near the top of the list for me this week as well. And we talk about a lot of our favorite games here on ATS Radio. You can subscribe, download on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podbean, TuneIn, whatever else is out there. You're going to find ATS Radio on it. So make sure you subscribe to the full editions here and keep checking out these highlight videos on our ATS YouTube page. All right, so before we transition over to the NFL side of things here, we pretty much lost just about all of the SEC card for this week. Any <laughs> other games that we didn't touch on that you want to uh, want to reference or mention to the listeners? Ooh, uh, no. No? I, it, t- it was a tough week. You know what? I'll mention one because, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I like to get, you know, I guess sometimes I like getting criticized and maybe I'm glutton for punishment. I, I kind of want to fade Coastal Carolina, who everyone loves to bet week in and week out. And I love Coastal Carolina. They were two of my top plays uh, of the week early in the season. They are getting priced out at this point, laying double digits at Troy with that big game against App State on deck. Uh, you know, I, I like Troy. So there's one that that's really against the grain. But I'm waiting. We'll see how much public money comes in on Coastal on game day. Yeah, we talked about this game a little bit on yesterday's show. And, and one of the things that we we're kind of discussing was, you know, the Troy quarterback situation. I'd much rather have Gunnar Watson in this game. Oh, I, I would too. Don't know if it's going to happen because Coastal plays, you know, kind of a high risk, high reward style of defense. And I appreciate, I will say this, man. I don't know what happens with Coastal going forward. And I, I bought the hat because I thought it was a good looking hat on me. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I even I, did it with you having a hat on. Damn. I know, right? Well, oh, man, I, I, noticed, I am glad for punishment. And I know Jacob Free is uh, going to go out there and throw four interceptions. And I do notice you're not wearing touchdowns. your you're not wearing the play like a champion today hat. This week. Uh, I lost like a champion with that <laughs> game last but week. Th- the one thing I will say is I love everything Coastal Carolina is doing. Pre-snap motion. I love it. High risk, high reward defensive style. I love it. They're limiting the opponent's possessions. I love it. I know everyone wants to play fast and put up all these sexy numbers. They're slow and methodical and efficient as efficient, hell. And I think yeah. it's fun to watch. I agree with you. I think their lines are kind of running out a little bit and we'll see what happens, you know, with that app state game next week. But that's the thing. You can hurt them if you've got the quarterback to do it. And to me, if I'm Chadwell, I'm sitting there going, nobody in this conference has the quarterback to beat me. If I play this style of football. Maybe Zach Thomas is that guy next week. Maybe Gunnar Watson is that guy this week. I'd prefer him over Jacob Free just because I think Free got a little bit panicky in the pocket last week, did get to watch some of Troy's game. So there is that. But, man, I, you know, we talk all the time on this show about I wish before Iowa State got Matt Campbell, I wish Iowa State would play the option. I wish Kansas would play Vanderbilt the option. Should. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt should. should. Do something different. Coastal yeah. Carolina is doing something different in this conference and they're winning because of it, and they look really good in the process, Chadwell's going to find himself a pretty decent job here going forward if he keeps doing this. Just do something different, man. You know, you don't have to yep. play this breakneck style. You don't have to play Louisiana's. We're going to try to run for 300 yards every game. You do something different and against the norm and something that's maybe a little bit riskier, like they do on defense, it's going to pay dividends, man. And, yep. and kudos to them for that. Yep. I love it. 
But I, I agree with you. I, th- I think this price is a little bit high this week. I, I will say that. Yeah, I haven't had huge overlays uh, w- with their games. Uh, it started to get a little pricey last week, and you saw if you played them on game day, you pushed, maybe even won with South Alabama. That was last week was kind of the first time, uh, and then this week was the bi- the big time. Where look, you can bet Coastal Carolina, but full, fully know well you are starting to pay a premium if you're wanting to b- uh, back the Chanticleers. I agree. You, you really don't want to buy high in this business, and you're buying high. I mean, my number yep. seven here, I think. So that's where, I, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and, and and again, I mean, I hope Gunnar Watson plays, but seems like he probably won't. So yeah, he almost kind of talked me out with you. I didn't realize your hat was Coastal Carolina. <laughs> You're making good points on Jacob Free. Ugh, I all right. Yeah, but you, me, at least he talked me out of it. But I still gave it out. But I mean, but let's be honest here too. This is probably thirteen at kickoff, right? Yeah, I. I mean, maybe. Can it get that high? I don't know, man. I don't know. I, again, I mean, it's, it's, they have a number next to their name. You know, they're a ranked team. We, we just yep. talked about public influence in the market at the top of the show. I mean, this kind of fits the bill as one where, you know, Troy is an afterthought now in the Sun Belt. I still think they're a well-coached team. They, I, they recruited a pretty good level for that conference, but I think that they're an afterthought because what was it? Two, three years ago, Troy was a ranked team for a couple of weeks. Yep. Neil Brown's remember- gone. Yeah, and I mean, Neil Brown's doing phenomenal at West Virginia, by the way, who we did a highlight video for TCU West Virginia yesterday, and both of us like West Virginia uh, in that one. I I think Troy, uh, their athletic department is solid. They hire good coaches. They recruit well. I think they give these kids what they need to succeed. The basketball team is, you know, kind of picked up a little bit at times here too. I I won't get upset with somebody for betting Troy this week because I think it's probably a good, you know, sell high spot on the Chanticleers. I I think that's a very All right. Any other games before we uh, disappear? Nah, that's it, football? man. Marshall tough card, man. Marshall again, tough laying a monster. All number. right. I'll tell you, I bet middle Tennessee, uh, just playing numbers. Cause I made it 21. Then I found out it's the 50, uh, 50 year anniversary of the plane crash and doc Ooh. holiday, the head coach, I think is always one and covered. I mean, it's an unbelievable number. Uh, as far as whenever they honor the plane crash for, for Marshall, I don't want anything to do with it. I will completely get off that, uh, middle Tennessee ticket. Yeah. Ooh, I didn't realize that one. Yeah, that's uh, I'll go through it, but it's uh, I mean, he caught wins and covers every year uh, when they honor the plane crash. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I mean, it's it's one of those those big. But I'm guessing your numbers around 21. You want to play Middle Tennessee, right? Uh, No. All right. No, I am actually well above market on this game there. No, I'm not. I'm 25 and a half. All um, right, then play Marshall, man. Lay it. Well, yeah, maybe. I, well, the thing of it is, I finally got Marshall to a point where my numbers aren't low on them. Like, week in and week out, I've been low on Marshall numbers. I think last week I was 44 and a half against uh, you UMass. Won. Yeah, well, I don't know. It, it, it's been – that's another thing, too. We've talked about this a little bit, and, you know, we can talk about it in future weeks here, too, as we go forward. I don't want to spend too much time belaboring the point, but, like, these teams in the group of five conferences that just look really good – their prices have been through the roof this year. Marshall, uh, yeah. Coastal Carolina is now getting that way. Um, no BYU's one else is not, playing. They're getting. There's so much more high profile. Right. BYU's not a group of five. They're an independent, but I still kind of put them in that group where I I was never high enough on BYU's prices. I I, I yeah. couldn't get there. But it's also a year where they wouldn't be as ranked as highly as they are 
even if they were doing what they were doing, I mean, still other teams would have so many more data points. I think it's a combination of, hey, they're playing a bunch of games. They're looking impressive. They're winning and covering. They're highly ranked because the Big Ten's not playing. The Pac-12's not playing or whatnot. They're on TV. We see them every week. So I think that that's why you're seeing it. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, we transition over to the NFL side of things here for a minute. We will do a highlight video on Eagles and Giants here shortly. Uh, for the day of listeners here, Brad, real quick, Indianapolis and Tennessee, I'm not betting this game either way. I'm not betting side or total here. I, you know, it's a good game. Maybe you watch it, you find a live betting opportunity. But great Thursday night game. Nice, uh, you know, change of pace to get one of these, hopefully. But I don't have a play on it, do you? I took Indian a teaser. Uh, but that okay. was when they were, you could have gotten them at plus eight in a teaser. Now, I mean, I, I got nothing now at the current number. I, I agree with some of the Indian money. I think, you know, I think Tennessee's overrated, but also Tennessee, uh, you know, was very fortunate uh, last week, certainly to get a cover against the Bears. Uh, and I'm not a big Phillip Rivers guy, old man on a short week. Uh, I agree with the original Colts money, but right now, no play. Tough game. I think Very it's a, tough. Good, a good game to watch. Maybe you find something you can use next week, but uh, yeah. I, I don't know if there's too much actionable uh, in this game here today. Two games off the board in the NFL, Cincinnati-Pittsburgh, wondering if Big Ben will play. Also, I believe Cincinnati's got some COVID issues on defense too, um, which that wouldn't take the line off the board, but you know who knows all that going on. Washington-Detroit also off the board here. Um, you know, obviously Washington with some quarterback concerns of their own Stafford with COVID negative tests last week was away from his family, played like shit after that, all that kind of thing. Uh, but there are some positions that you you and I were talking before we started recording here, you and I are opposite a few games here in the NFL this week. I'll talk more about my picks on Friday, but I like Tampa Bay over Carolina. You're on the opposite side. I kind of like Buffalo over Arizona. You're on the opposite side of that one. Uh, Seems like this week in the NFL, I think there's going to be a lot of differences of opinion because we've got a lot of, you know, what appear to be pretty competitive games. Yeah, I get your position on on Tampa playing on, you know, Brady after one of the worst games of his career. But, I mean, at some point, is he going to hit the wall? He's 43. Father time's undefeated. Maybe he's just not that good. Uh, I'll tell you what it is good. uh, Betting on Teddy Bridgewater, who's a covering machine no matter where he plays at, at quarterback. Uh, so I do lean Carolina there. I, I'm I'm kind of surprised that you like Buffalo. I mean, they're plus four in turnovers last week, a huge win against Seattle. They're off to their best start since 1993. On the other side, Arizona should have won the game against Miami. I, I mean, the, the 100 plus yard advantage over the Dolphins. You had a long, you know, defensive touchdown for for Miami. I just that's an inside out handicap for me. Uh, yeah, that one dinner bet if you want to have it, I, I'll take the Cardinals. What number are we taking there? Two? Two? Yeah, let's Two's do good. two. Two's good. I just, look, I, I look at Buffalo, and I mean, their defense is not very good this year. And Matt Milano is now on IR, so he's not going to play. And that's a big loss. You know, going up against a guy like Kyler Murray, I mean, he's probably, I would say he's a top three linebacker, top five linebacker in the AFC. So that is a big loss. The thing here is, I've loved what I've seen from Buffalo the last two weeks. They said, you know what, we can run on New England, so we're going to, and they did. And then last week, I took Seattle. I was worried that Buffalo was going to say, well, we found this, this, and this in the running game, so let's keep going with this. Let's see where this goes. But Brian Dable was smart enough to say, Seattle stops the run, and they're not going to stop us through the air. So they threw all game long, and it worked out for them. 
John Brown coming back makes Buffalo's offense significantly different because now not all the attention's on Diggs. Brown can stretch the field. You still have Beasley underneath. And now, apparently, they've found some semblance of a running game if they decide to use that here uh, in this game against Arizona. So I just think Buffalo is a different team than what we saw when Josh Allen was struggling. And furthermore, too, if you look at the games where Buffalo's offense was really bad, weather was a massive factor. Weather will not be a factor in this game. So I like Buffalo here, uh, plus two. And hey, we got another dinner bet. You know, eventually we'll, uh, you know, I'll get to cash all these in. I'm going to have one of those like Brazilian steakhouse kind of spreads by the time we cash this in. There you go. We'll see. All right. Anything else in the NFL before we hit on that highlight game? Oh, tough week, but we almost say that every week <laughs> in the That's NFL. True. Yeah. Uh, the week we what? don't say it will be a surprise. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I, the, the, some of the later games, I mean, I, I think I, maybe I'm getting glutton for punishment, but I think Miami's really overrated. I'll take the Chargers. I know they continually mess up in close game situations. Miami's got a significant coaching advantage here, but man, I just got to go off the, the statistical profile says the Chargers are the much better team than Miami. Uh, so I, I did take uh, some Charger money, and I also took Chicago, and I hate Chicago this year. I think they're overrated. But, I mean, just because Minnesota beat Green Bay uh, and Detroit, I mean, all of a sudden we're treating the Vikings like they're a legitimate playoff team, and I still think they got plenty of issues. Kirk Cousins in a primetime game, uh, I don't think that's a good – especially Kirk Cousins against the Bears. I mean, they've lost four straight. I did take uh, a little bit of Bears uh, money there. And I believe the look-ahead forecast looks kind of iffy, which, you know, at Soldier Field, that's never a fun thing. And obviously, again, you know, we'll we'll belabor this point, too, weather very important to be keeping an eye on here, uh, you know, as we get closer to uh, winter, which, you know, is unfortunately coming pretty soon. The, the thing about the Chargers and Miami game that, that kind of catches me off guard, uh, I, I sort of have a slight lean to Miami on the side because really? of that coaching mismatch that you talked right. about. Fair enough. But the total for this game, is very intriguing to me. The Chargers have given up a lot of points here lately. They've given up a ton of points over the last several weeks. Miami's defense is good, but we did see Arizona move it on them with quite a bit of ease last week. And this total is below the NFL average this year, around 50 and a half, uh, the you know average total in the NFL. And it's going down. So I don't know, you know, which side that benefits, but that total really stood out to me here because, again, it is below the average total in the NFL this year with a Chargers defense that's given up a lot of points and a Miami offense that, if that's what we can expect from Tua going forward, looks, you know, pretty robust, much like it did under Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that's what I'm kind of looking at, sort of, you know, scratching my head a little bit. I'm not going to say I have a play on it, but it's an interesting total that sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Hmm. I don't did so lower scoring game to me says Miami. That's more Miami's wheelhouse. So maybe I'm I should be a little bit more concerned about my Chargers position. I don't know. It's maybe I'm overthinking it. You know, just because that total is so much lower than what we've generally seen here uh, across the NFL this year. But uh, good game. The the five o'clock window or the four o'clock window is fantastic. Thank the Masters for it. Yep. So yeah. You got a Masters play? Did you handicap the Masters? No, I did not. But I'll say this. Why can't we have that more often in the NFL? There's just no need to have nine 
what, you know, one o'clock start times and, and, and three, four o'clock start times. I just, I get so tired of it. There needs to be a little bit more balance. I understand why they do it for TV purposes, but to me for just overall viewing entertainment and enjoyment, at least shade another game or two each week to the late window. No, I agree. I definitely agree with that. And uh, I'll have more thoughts, like I said, on Friday here uh, with my Circus Sports Million picks and my breakdown on the picks and the leans that I like here for this week in the contest. With that, we'll do a highlight video here for game 259-260, the Eagles and the Giants in the NFC Least. I'm host Adam Burke, joined by pro better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. This number is pretty much three and a half now at this point. You may find a three, but you're paying $1.25 to take it. Total in this game, 44 and a half, has gone up a little bit as we've gone throughout the week here, Brad. But uh, what's the starting point for your handicap here with Philadelphia and the Giants? I just think it's one of the, the my favorite situational spots of the entire year. First off, I think it's a horrible spot for the Giants. They're playing their 10th straight week against a Philadelphia team that's, you know, fresh coming off a bye. Also more pertinent to this particular game is the Giants are the sixth team, the sixth, just the sixth team in the last 31 years to play five straight games decided by three points or less. Sooner or later, I mean, I I got it. You got a propensity to play a bunch of close games. And I've really liked what I've seen from the Giants. They play really hard, but... I mean, you can't keep bringing in close games week after week after week, especially now that you're in a 10 straight week of playing. Uh, to me, that that favors Philadelphia, point one, point two, Philadelphia. And then you just talk about the personnel that Philadelphia's got coming back, multiple starters. This is the healthiest Philadelphia has been since the start of the season. I, I think Philadelphia makes that playoff push. Obviously, they're already the favorite in the NFCs, but I think they start playing like it, like they're the best team by far in the NFCs. Uh, what'd you call it? The least? Uh, I like Philly. Yeah, I like Philly here too. I mean, I give Joe Judge full marks. He's done a fantastic job with this Giants team. He's done a fantastic job really getting a bad team to buy in every yep. single week and play really, really hard because – there were a lot of people kind of looking at this, you know, especially after they, uh, you know, had that first game against Washington that they barely won. Sort of looking at it saying, Daniel Jones ain't it, man. Like, he's not the yeah. guy. They, they need to improve their draft position, sort of reevaluate this quarterback situation, maybe end up with a Justin Fields, something like that. But the players haven't heard any of that noise. They've come out there and played really, really hard week in and week out. The problem is when you're not a good team, and all you have is that effort level, like you said, at some point, the gas tank is going to run on empty. And I think this could very well be the week where the gas tank runs on empty. It's a Philadelphia team, as you mentioned, coming off the bye, much healthier. I like Doug Peterson. I know people are going to say, well, he's one and three off the bye. Okay, he played New England last year, played a very good Dallas team the year before, blew out Dallas the year prior to that. And then the, the first time when he played off the bye, Carson Wentz started three and all they looked really good hit the bye week must have added something new to the playbook or something like that and everything hit the skids for them so I'm not really worried about that for Peterson it's not a big sample size anyway what I am worried about what I am thinking about here is Philadelphia has a chance to basically win the division this week Dallas is a mess the Giants would fall another game behind the Giants have already played Washington twice Philadelphia can pretty much win the division this week. And I think they know that and they're healthy coming off the bye to do it. And one more thing, the giants last week 
plus five in turnover margin against Washington and yep. barely won the game. So we're, we're in consensus opinion here. Eagles three, at, three at minus minus one twenty five, three and a half at plus money, something like that. I think both of those are decent plays here. One final point. If you're following along, Philadelphia owns the giants 21 and four last 25 times. That's, you know, that's saying something. This isn't college football. This is the NFL beat somebody 21 out of 25 uh, in division play. Uh, it's saying something, especially eight straight wins for the Eagles. I don't want to jinx them, but they have absolutely owned the Giants the last five, six, ten years. Yeah, definitely a consensus opinion here from us on ATS Radio, taking a look at the Eagles, number 259 in the rotation order, minus three with extra juice or, plus, or minus three and a half at plus money. Make sure you tune into the full editions of ATS Radio, which you can find on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. All right, with that, anything we missed in the NFL? Anything else you want to touch on here before we sign off? No, I'm good. Uh, Wind, major wins in the Cleveland-Houston game, Green Bay-Jackson. We'll make sure that's part of your handicap if you're wondering why those totals are moving down. Yeah, excellent point there. I do like Cleveland quite a bit, by the way, but I'll talk more about that one uh, on Friday when I discuss my Circus Sports Million picks. Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com. And what's going on over there right now, man? Yeah, right now we're running a special. It's 49 bucks for the rest of the season. You get all my college and NFL picks, but don't buy it for the picks. Well, the picks are pretty good this year, 56%. They're 56% this year. They're 56% all time. Uh, you know, I'm having my best, um, my best college year ever, but I'm also having my worst NFL <laughs> year ever. So take that for what it's worth. But again, don't buy for the picks, buy for the information. You want my power ratings, my computer projections, my game write-ups on every single game, uh, thought trends of the week, you name it. It's all in my weekly newsletter. You get it all the way through the Super Bowl. College Pro, 49 bucks for the entire season, bradpowersports.com. Well, your NFL season is going to get worse when you owe me another dinner after Buffalo covers against Arizona. So uh, we'll see on that one, buddy. All right, man. Brad Powers, once again, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. Always a treat, man. Love chatting with you. Love shooting the shit. Always a good time. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Take care, my friend. There you go. Once again, there's professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven. We got one more show left for this week. That is Friday. As I mentioned, I will talk about my Circa Million Picks. 26, 18, and one on the season here in that contest so far. We'll see if I can get one of those four and ones or five and O's here for this week. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.